It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. We're here day one, MJ BizCon at the Las Vegas Convention Center with um, Andres Vasquez of Kumara Farms. Yes, Kumara uh, Farms. Based out of Peru? Uh, Peru, yes. Okay. Tell me a little bit about yourself, maybe how you got into industry, what is Kumara Farms, all that good stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. So uh, Kumara Farms, uh, first about myself, I'm a biologist by, by training. And uh, 20 plus years ago, I was involved in a medicinal plant project at a pharmaceutical company. And at that moment, there was no cannabis around. So uh, the company looked that there was no traction to start developing all those products out of medicinal plants from Peru. So we decided to stop the project. So after 20 plus years, uh, I found myself with, with the cannabis business, first as a consultant. And, and then uh, my, my group of people decided that it was time for us to design our own project, basically starting with cannabis, but exploding the potential of other medicinal plants of, of Peru, basically. All right. Tell the investor audience and just people listening in general about maybe why you're here in Vegas. Why did you come up to the MJ BizCon? What are you looking for um, business-wise? Okay, so uh, on one side, we are at this moment going through our Series B fundraising, and uh, we are planning to meet, and we already done that, uh, several potential investors during the MJBs because a lot of people come here you know, for, for several reasons, but it's a great meeting point for people in the industry. And secondly, since we already started our first grow uh, three weeks ago, we're already buying some equipment and some of the appliances that we'll be using for destruction and processing. Is this for scaling um, or automating or is this new? This is very new. I mean, we're just starting to put in place our extraction uh, equipments. So that's, that's new. And we are also looking at uh, suppliers that can go with us on the scaling process that we'll, we'll be facing 12, 15 months from now. We are uh, increasing the surface that we're going to be growing in the farm. So we also need companies that can not only sell us equipment now, but can scale up when the time comes. Okay. Tell me a little bit about uh, your um, your advantages of being in Peru. There's a lot of um, emphasis on Colombia. Yes. And so when you compare that to, to Canada or the U.S. and when, what they're selling wholesale at $6 and $1.50 uh, respectively, where do you come in? Like, what, what is your secret sauce or, or competitive advantage? Well, first of all, I would say that from the agricultural part, uh, that part of the business, we have a, a climatic location that allow us to be more competitive on the farming cost. And even if we compare us to Colombia, the location that we have allow us to have a lot uh, less pest uh, pressure over the crops because we have no rain, we have absolute control on the water that we put into the system. So that will allow us to handle these crops even organically in a more healthier fashion and, and not with the same level of, uh, I would say, operational expenses. Now, at the same time, uh, we are a pharmaceutical company. So from the very first day, we're working in a pharma standard. So not only we're going to be able to have cannabis at the low cost of production at the farm, but the process to have end extracts and then end products will be pharma grade from the very beginning. Okay. Tell me a little bit about your, your business model. How, how are you generating revenue? Is it, are you 
the producer and processor and retailer. I know Columbia has, um, they're working with doctors and medical facilities with um, a lot of, of emphasis on the European importation. What is your model? Where are you looking at? And, and what does that look like? Okay, so in Peru, if, I, if first we see the Peruvian market, which is already active, a lot of people doesn't know that Peru, we've been selling cannabis and medicine since late 2019 already. So Peru is an active market and in Peru, we are a, a grower, well, we'll be a grower, but at this point we are already a supplier and we already have not only partnership, but also investments at the pharmacy level. So we already present on retail at this moment. Now, if, when we see our, our business out of Peru, we're basically focused on our region. So South America is our main focus at this moment. And we're working, for example, with a telemedicine platform that allows us to have access to doctors. We are starting to work in Brazil. So we will be able not only to generate demand at the, at the doctor's level in Brazil, but also supply products out of Peru, first as a compassionate use basis, but then when we have the ability to certify our manufacturing facility with the healthcare administration in Brazil, we'll be able to send finished product into Brazil. And that is the same model we will applying for Ecuador and Mexico when time comes. All right, do you think the pandemic uh, sped up the process of telemedicine maybe a decade I mean that's what I'm thinking I have no idea I'm not basing that on anything um, but I'm curious if you think that the pandemic sped that process up and how do you stay in compliance if someone is is trying to get um, what we have in the US as a schedule one drug how do you manage that process online okay so first yes I agree with you the pandemic speed up that, that situation a lot. I mean, there's uh, a lot of people right now that would never accept a medical indication through a screen. Right, right now are very open you know, to receive that advice and those prescription online. And uh, definitely, I don't think that that's going back, okay? Probably it's gonna be reduced a little bit when we are face-to-face -face all, all back again. But I think the trend and the ease to access that we have right now for a medical advice is, is gonna stay there. So that's one thing. And the, and the second thing is that Peru, I would say, has a barrier, which is an advantage at the same time in the sense that our cannabis regulation has been established on top of the healthcare regulation. So any company that is active in the cannabis space in Peru is a healthcare company, it's a pharma company. So that allows us to start the compliant process at a higher level that just a, a, a farming company or industrial company. So you're not just a, a consumer product goods company, you're a healthcare company. Absolutely. Is, is that basis kind of what helped develop the normalization because it came from doctors and not just, you know, dare I say hippies? Uh, in the US, we have a lot of um, entrepreneurs that are, um, they're, they come from more of, of a holistic background, so yes. they're not they're not capitalists, but they're more um, activists. Where what is it like down there? So, um, in a similar base, the regulation exists in Peru thanks to the activists, the patients, and their families that push this forward. Mm -hmm. That's how it came to a reality. But it's true that most of the of the people and the market uh, have gained trust and confidence in these products because they see these products at a pharmacy. Mm -hmm. And that's a very subtle difference 
that just buying this product in any store or even the street in the legal market. So we have a lot of, of patients or you can say customers that have, have, been, have gained access to these products with the trust on a doctor and a pharmacy. Now, we also have a very big illegal market. There's a lot of product being sold out of the pharmacies and a lot of our work is with doctors and also to, with communication in order to convince people to go through the regular path. At the same time, obviously, we have a responsibility as an industry to provide a product as diverse as the illegal market, as competitive in price as the illegal market with the advantage of a high quality. I mean, otherwise, uh, people that is consuming cannabis for its own health from the illegal market, if you don't offer them good product, as diverse as they find, and, a, and a, as competitive price, they will not go to the pharmacies. All right, Andres, but how is Kamara Farms position to compete against a market that's been in business like california has been doing it for decades how are you positioned to disrupt that market so basically we're we're providing two differentiating factors first um, as a company we are an impact oriented company so everything we do within our business model has to not only produce a financial return but also social and environmental impact and that is a real story that we communicate to the market. So first, from a branding and marketing perspective, we offer that, uh, I would say, differentiation. And there is a niche of consumers that are interested in that. They respect that philosophy. The second thing is that we are working with more than cannabis. So we are already developing products out of medicinal plants, out of the Amazon jungle at this moment. And that will provide us a wider portfolio than just a cannabis portfolio, which has two advantages. Not only additional sources of revenue, but a flexibility to market the product, to advertise the product more freely than the limitation that you have with cannabis. Mm -hmm. Okay. What, what's um, your goals moving forward? 22 and 82 and beyond, what are you looking for? Uh, are you going to be doing a capital raise? Were you going IPO? Um, what's your, your capital structure and where is Kumar Farms going to be headed? Where do you think the industry is going to be headed? What's going to happen in the future? Well, I mean, from our side, on the financial point of view, we are doing this race now. We are looking for an, uh, a next race on a Series C, probably Q3, Q4 next year. Mm. This, this Series B has been doing great, really, and we are definitely guiding towards an oversubscription. So that's great news for us that will allow us more runway into next year. And probably so we're going to be launching that Series C towards the end of next year, 2022. As far as business, our goal next year, uh, as far as U.S. is concerned, we will be launching our non-cannabis products in the U.S. definitely next year. I'm not sure if we're going to be doing cannabis products here, but non-cannabis definitely. And another goal that is very specific for us is that we will start our process or certify our facility under Brazilian regulation. That is key to our next move because that will give us access not only to the Brazilian market, but also to other markets because Brazilian healthcare regulatory agency has a very high standard internationally. So that will put us in another level of regulation. Now, honestly, what I think of, of the industry is that, again, uh, the, the market developing is going to be very positive, but I think that people is not uh, identify the number of competition that will keep appearing in the market. I think that Colombia, for example, we have very good friends and company we work with, 
there are companies that were not on the map on the radar six months ago that are coming to the game now and I'm sure there's going to be other ones coming into the game so I'm, any company and wants to be in, in the cannabis space I'm convinced they need to bring a competitive edge if you don't have anything different from the rest you're going to be facing just by price pressure and that's a the famous quote the race to the bottom mm -hmm. all right interesting well if uh, people want to get a hold of you uh, and see uh, maybe your your investment deck you had a, a pitch presentation earlier this week um, and you did really well you had a great uh, presentation um, uh, so if anybody's interested in that they can check out the alternative investment forum or the investor hot seat exactly. or contact you and get that deck if they uh, yes, don't absolutely. want to watch the video but it's a great presentation uh, where can they find you at? Uh, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, the easiest way will be from the website. So it's www.kumarafarms.com. Mm. Okay. And I'm very active at LinkedIn. Yep. So if they look for me, Andres Vasquez at LinkedIn, they will find me. And we'll put some of that information in the show notes. So check the description. Uh, we'll try to put Kamara Farms, but sometimes YouTube doesn't like that. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely have your LinkedIn contact in that. So with that, I think we're going to wrap this up. I want to thank my guest, Andres Vasquez, thank you. CEO of uh, Kumara Farms. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.